This is the Horse Radio Network. Hi, I'm Jennifer Wood. And I'm Jennifer Connor. From Equestrian Businesswomen. And you're listening to Equestrian B2B, the podcast that brings together industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and equestrians for conversations about how they build and sustain a successful business. On today's show, we talked to Lisa Veltri from Veltri Sports about her transition from a corporate VP to becoming an entrepreneur, how she started her own small business, and her passion for sustainability. Lisa Veltri grew up in Long Island, New York. She attended Providence College in Rhode Island with an art major and business minor. Lisa knew she wanted to be in the fashion industry and moved to New York City after college. Her corporate experience includes Macy's Executive Training Program to become a buyer, Saks Fifth Avenue Planner and Buyer, Prada, a buyer in the USA and Canada, men's and women's handbags and accessories, as well as at Coach, where she was the Vice President of Merchandising for Handbags and Accessories. Lisa absolutely loved her work, but retired to focus on raising her three children. She became a horse mom when her daughter was four. Horses and competing have been in their lives ever since. When not able to find what they were looking for in the equestrian world in terms of a versatile riding bag, Veltri Sport was born. The company is just over a year old, and Lisa, along with her daughter, who's now 17, run it together. She will be going to college next year to study business, marketing, and fashion merchandising so she can ultimately take over the company in the future. Veltri Sport is the synergy of fashion, function, and sustainability for men and women in the equestrian world and beyond. Carefully crafted by a fashion industry veteran, Veltri Sport products are intentionally designed for the active lifestyle. Whether you are an equestrian, a cyclist, a snowboarder, or any adventure enthusiast, the same constant remains, safety for ourselves and the environment we ride in. Using the highest quality eco-conscious materials, each Delaire backpack is made from approximately 10 recycled water bottles, so you can feel good about what you are doing and what you do with it. Because of the growing waste crisis from single-use plastics, it was on us to design a product that helps deal with the problem rather than exasperate it. Our goal is to responsibly make accessories with the functionality and organization that everyone needs, but with a sleek, modern look. Stomach ulcers make you feel bad. All-natural ulcer relief makes you feel good. With no known side effects and a 100% money-back guarantee, why not give it a try? UlcerRelief.com. Hi, Lisa. It's so good to have you here today. Um, We're excited to talk to you about your experience both in the corporate world and the equestrian world and um, becoming an entrepreneur to start your own business. So we'll kind of jump right in with the first question. Great. And thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was so nice to meet you up at the women in business spectacular in Saratoga. So that's kind of um, where we connected and we, we were very interested in your story that you came from the corporate world. So can you kind of start off telling us what your roles were in the corporate world? I started my career after college. Um, I went into the fashion industry. I knew I wanted to be in the fashion industry. I started it at the um, Macy's executive buying program. And I basically went through the ranks there um, and then started uh, exploring other companies with buying. So I went over to Saks Fifth Avenue after that, where I was a buyer and a planner. And then I continued on. Uh, working for designer brands. I moved over to Prada. And then I spent the most time working at Coach. There, I I made the move from buying into merchandising. And really, the merchandising role was working with um, the designers and uh, product development and sourcing and developing a product line. So My experience has really always been with creating product, knowing what's going to sell, seeing trends, um, pricing things right, and um, 
Yeah, just really having a pulse on the accessory world. I always focused on accessory world on in the accessory world and um, just analyze that those businesses. What was it like climbing the corporate ladder? So much different than what I'm doing now. Basically, it's very structured. You know your roles and responsibilities. They're they're well planned out and uh, structured for you. So you really know what, what your job responsibilities are. And then if you do your job well, you're reviewed on a structured basis annually and um, with hard work and doing your job well, you are definitely um, can promote through the ranks uh, with I thought with ease, um, but I was always, you know, an overachiever and a hard worker. So I made myself grow through the ranks and I felt like it was an environment that was supportive, but you definitely needed to understand the roles of all the different people and departments you worked with and made sure you were a person that was politically correct in the sense of being able to work with many different personalities. So um, that is a skill that I have, but it grew over time. I definitely got better at it it as I went on. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's and that's hard because not everyone can do that when you have to be working with so many different people. For sure. Yeah, I, I, think I definitely that comes with age and maturity too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. I was going to say um, I have a brother who's um, just getting into the corporate world after working for my family's small business in the horse industry, and I think sometimes I have to be like, "Yo, chill!" Like it's corporate life. Like it's you know, it's different. Yeah. Like you can't go at it and attack it and be so aggressive. Uh, you have to get along with those people because they're they're going to be there. Like you're, they're not leaving. They're not getting fired because you have some kind of issue. You've got to learn to play by the rules and figure out how to, you know, work with them. Yeah, I totally agree. And even like the most difficult personality, I would always find that commonality with them and really develop a relationship. And I think that was what made me successful. Yeah. Considering that you were in the fashion industry, but still in major corporations with, you know, tons of layers of management, were there a lot of women that you could look up to and that you saw in roles that you wanted to aspire to? Yes and and no. I think um, it depended definitely on the person. There were people that actually you saw that you were like, I don't want to model her. And then there was a person that you would be like, yes, that's where that's the avenue I want to go down. So I think it um, just varied. Uh, and it it's interesting because it also varied by company, which I won't say, but like, There are certain companies and people will find this in corporate America that are very considerate of uh, personal life, family life. Um, You could still get the job done, work hard, but you could still have your own life. There Mm -hmm. are other um, companies, especially in the fashion industry, that tend to, I guess, try to own you in a sense or, you know, that's always um, your your top priority. even if you're getting the job done, it's you have to drop everything or you may have to work every day for a month straight till nine o'clock at night. You know, it's just um, there really aren't many boundaries. Hmm. What were parts of the corporate world that you did enjoy? I did love working with a lot of different people. Um, I think it was it, it made the day interesting. It was lots of meetings. I think the social interaction is very good. And I think it's very important for people, the, the younger people starting out to learn how to do that or I, I do it at, at some point in their career to figure that out. And because when you do work on your own in your own small business, you know, it could be a little bit lonely, mm-hmm. you know, working all day. 
on your projects and not interacting with people regularly. So, mm-hmm. and then the second piece to that, I would say was, was the travel. Um, I, I was able to do a lot of fun travel uh, to Italy and, um, you know, that's always a, a great place to go. <laughs> right. And what would you change about the path that you took in your corporate jobs? I don't know that I would really change anything, but I think that now in schools, the education at colleges, I think they offer a lot more specifics in course um, selection. So Mm -hmm. now that my daughter's looking at colleges and she wants to do something similar that I did, and she works with me today on, on this brand, I found like as we're looking through the course selections at different schools, I couldn't believe the things that were offered. I don't remember them ever existing when I was in college. So I think that would be the only thing I would have done differently because I definitely, um, being an art major and a business minor, I had the, the right fundamentals. But then when I got into my first jobs, I had a lot of learning to do where I think that the uh, kids today could literally hit the ground running when they start. I've talked to a lot of young people that want to know, you know, what they should work on or, you know, different advice coming into the equestrian PR world, which is so small and, and so specialized. But I think, you know, for sure, having that background to begin with is, really important. And and it's true. I think schools are offering so many more specialized programs because there's such a need for people to have that information going into the job, um, you know, and then learning more once you're on it. But I've seen yeah. that as well. Absolutely. And I think the only other thing I would say is um, also so many colleges and just companies are offering internship programs. That was much tougher uh, to find when I was in school. Um, So now it's like you could do internships in high school and college and really get a better better understanding of what you like, what you don't like. So, um, you know, I highly recommend doing that. I had two interns over the summer and um, that are now juniors in college, they were awesome. And they learned so much. So now like, I'm helping them with their next steps and what they're to do and their course selections and helping them get internships at, you know, companies that I still had ties to in Manhattan, things like that, which is awesome and rewarding for me. And I feel like with these more specialized programs that it really kind of dials down to applying it into the job and the field that you're going into. So I remember taking a management course and we went through this whole section about programs, reward programs for people, you know, for corporate rewards. And, you know, after 25 years, you get to select a gift out of something. And, you know, they they just kind of like went through a list of different type of reward programs, monetary or what would work. And I never really thought about it or or could see where that would be applicable until my very first, one of my first jobs was working for somebody who did like promotional items. But the other part of her company was to provide these award programs to large companies and sometimes it would be a pen after 10 years or and I had no <laughs> idea like I, like we went through it and we kind of buzzed through it in class and then thinking back I was like oh wow they could have set me up so much better for knowing this and you know if it was a little more specialized and I think that's probably the advantage now of being able to take very specific classes um so that you can kind of apply it to the real world yeah it's so funny to hear about you know, incentives like that, that corporations used to do. And it's so old fashioned, I think now, (laughs) you know, like nobody wants a pen, nobody wants a plaque, (laughs) like they want weekends off and, you know, more vacation time, that sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and I guess probably going through it, I'm thinking who would want a pen, right? Uh, yeah. We were like, <laughs> right. why, why would anybody want some kind of gift? You know, they get to, you know, at 25 years, you get to pick a toaster or a, <laughs> a barbecue. After set. 25 years, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. it's like your entire life <laughs> of working. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Lisa, what were some of the biggest, what was the biggest lesson that you learned in the corporate world that you carried with you over into uh, your, your business, your entrepreneurial side and the small business? Hard work. I definitely learned as I went into uh, these larger corporations. Um, Everyone worked, came in early, seven, eight o'clock, and you stayed till eight, nine o'clock. and especially when you were starting out trying to prove yourself. So I definitely um, knew what it was to put the time in to get to where you um, need to be. The other thing I, I also learned was just the importance of the details uh, to make sure that every email that was scripted was proofed over and over to make sure that any correspondence you sent out to your colleagues and, you know, upper management or wherever, um, it was flawless. I think that's really important for people to know that to have a mistake on a corporate email is not good. So um, that was something that, you know, even my kids today, they're like, how many times are you going to read that email over? And you know, in my business today. And I'm like, well, I want to make sure it's exactly the way I want it to say, but the point I want to get across as well as it being grammatically correct. Mm -hmm. So those were, you know, those details were very important. And And then I would say the third thing was you need to know your business. So If it's like studying for a final exam, that's what you do. Because if you're in a room with the executives of of the company, you need to know it without picking up a piece of paper or referring to a cheat sheet or looking or saying, I get back to you, you need to know your business. So um, I would say those three things. You know, I've had people apply for jobs with my company and send resumes and cover letters in an email, just like riddled with typos. And we don't even consider it because if you can't get that email right to me in a job where we're constantly putting out written material that depends on accuracy and, and being correct, then it's not going to work. Like, you know, that's one thing I definitely would say is, you know, even if you're not sure, like, Ask a friend to look it over, ask yeah. a family member, somebody else to look at it so that, you know, you're putting your best foot forward when it's important like that. And the other thing that I, that is striking to me is I feel like even though you weren't a horse person growing up, uh, the parallels in the fashion industry are really similar to those for equestrians in that, you know, there's such passion for the industry, you know, horse people are crazy about horses and fashion people are crazy about fashion. And, you know, that we talk to so many people who, you know, either get burned out or know that that type of lifestyle in working with horses 24 seven isn't for them. It wasn't for me, even though I loved horses and it was my life for so long. But I think, you know, so many people that we've talked to are like, oh, I learned my work ethic by being in the barn growing Absolutely. up. Yeah. But I think fashion is similar too. Yes. Like you care so much about it and you you're willing to put in all of those hours early in your career too. Yes, absolutely. I have to say that it is also very important to make sure you check your resumes because I one time put down the wrong phone number. <laughs> No way. I did. And then I emailed them and I was like, oh, you know, I I thought we were going to have a meeting at such and such a time. And they're like, well, we tried to call you. And I was like, looked at my resume. I was like, oh, that's because I gave you the wrong number. Oh, Oh. man. (laughs) You learn, right? Yeah, I didn't get the job. Probably for the better. But yes, that was one of my mistakes. (laughs) 
<laughs> that I've made in my life. That's funny. <laughs> you know, looking at challenges when you made the decision to kind of leave the corporate world and then when you made the decision to become an entrepreneur, what was it that was hardest for you in that in those shifts? Yeah. So my first shift was to be the stay-at-home mom, which mm-hmm. I think that was the hardest shift ever. So, <laughs> and I, it was funny. I would go back to visits at Coach because that was my last job, and um, I would just say to them, like the whole team there, I'd be like, "This is so easy. What you're doing compared to what I'm doing now, like literally with three kids, I was like, you guys have no idea," and they would just laugh at me. Um, so that was, and the biggest takeaway for for me for that was I was in control of everything when I worked. I felt mm-hmm. at least my job, right? And I went into control of nothing. Yeah. And that was such a hard thing for a type A personality to go through that transition. I would never change it. I don't regret it, but it was very tough. Mm -hmm. Um, So any of those moms that are going to make that change prepare. Um, But then when I decided to start Veltri Sport, I really started with what I knew. So it didn't seem like that big of an adjustment. It was, you know, hearing what the, the void was in the market, really experiencing what my daughter and I experienced, not finding what we were looking for, you know, putting pen to paper and, and coming up with that creative idea and the, the, the retail structure, what the collect a collection would look like and, you know, how it would be priced and the margins and, you know, all things that I was very used to doing in my role. Then it was the other piece that was like, okay, I've never done taxes and, you know, I have to worry about sales tax and starting my website and I need to find, you know, product photographers and uh, lifestyle photographers. And, you know, it was like every day I was finding things I was supposed to be doing, but it felt like I was always behind the eight ball. I didn't know it until I walked into it. So that was... That was an adjustment because I was like, what? This stuff doesn't sell itself. (laughs) It's not just going to happen. Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) when I used to do it, because the names were behind it, when I stepped into my role, I was able to deliver great product, but you know, the model was there and the, the name brands were there. So, so my biggest challenge now is working on brand awareness. And that's something that is, you know, new, new to me. What's the best advice that you can give our listeners if they're thinking about leaving the corporate world and moving kind of into more entrepreneur role? Um, I would say be a really good listener, especially if you're looking whatever service, whether it's a service or a product, what do people need? And really listening to them, not not saying, I know what you need, really think hearing what the needs are um, and, and just watching. I'm a people watcher. I always ha- have been like, I just always look at the way people use accessories, um, how they carry things you know, different trends. I love to, you know, go into stores and just see what's out there, what people are doing, but you really need to learn who your audience is, who your customer is, who your competition is, and really get very educated. Can you walk us through your strategy for starting the business and then growing it? Basically, it started with my daughter and I traveling to shows. So she started riding at four. She's 17 now. The company's a year old, a little over a year old. When we were traveling to shows, it was very difficult to find something that could take her from school 
to the barn, to on the airplane, to out to dinner, um, that would carry her, her belongings in a way that was, that looked nice and presentable. Um, so, and, and something that was lightweight and easy to clean. And, you know, we just couldn't find anything that was checking all the boxes. And I, having the background that I did, thought, wow, someone should really, you know, develop product that's more fashion forward for the equestrian, but functional. And at the time I was thinking about all this, I was thinking it needed to be done with the apparel as well. Since then, I definitely have seen a shift in the apparel. There's a lot more apparel brands. They're definitely um, more comfortable and are really in tune with what the rider needs and wants. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, I think they're more versatile, all those things. So, but no one was doing that for accessories. And I love accessories. That was where I was always uh, positioned in. So I thought, let me start with a backpack that was like the backpack that would take you from school work to the barn, but you could travel with, you could take it out to dinner. It would still look good. You could wipe it off with a wipey. Um, mm-hmm. I never leave ha- the house without, you know, a package of wipies in the car. And <laughs> they're always in my pocketbook, you know, whatever. So it like our fabrics, you could just wipe them down and like all that dirt and dust comes right off. So I really wanted these bags to be functional, but look good. And they, they definitely, the nylon um, definitely gives it a more chic upscale look, but at the same time, the nylon is super durable, Mm -hmm. um, water resistant and um, easy to clean. So it like check the boxes for the use of an equestrian and anyone with an active lifestyle. The key for me was when designing the bag was making sure that it would house a helmet and the helmet compartment is a padded helmet compartment. And my frustration also was that I was spending so much money on Alessandra's helmets and none of her bags would have a place for it that protected the helmet. And then it would get all scratched up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just spent $800 on that helmet. (laughs) I would get like really upset or, you know, how the kids are, they throw their bags down when they get to the barn and and there the helmet is like in the dirt and the (laughs) rocks and stuff. So I thought that that was like the main um, function that I was designing the bag around. So I had the fabric, I had what the end use would be to hold a helmet and then that it would have other functionalities. So the other thing that would, that we always used to do because me being organized and OCD, um, I used to keep all her gear in Ziplocs. And then as she got older, she took that little organization method over and we would have her, her shoe polish in one Ziploc and spurs in another, hair accessories in another. And that's how we came up with the Darius zip pouch. So you had you could color, organize your um, all your gear in our pouches. And then we mm-hmm. on the backpack, we have a carabiner. So you could clip the pouches right onto the carabiner if you needed immediate use of mm-hmm you know, something easy access, um, or otherwise you would just keep them right into the main cavity of the bag. Um, and then we have a lot of other good features like padded laptop compartment and, and things like that. So me being a non-equestrian, I use the bag all the time and I love it for work and I love it for travel. Um, because it's so easy to have my computer with me and, um, that's on the back side of the bag. And it's just a really comfortable, you could wear all day bag. Um, and then I just expanded from there uh, to make it a collection with two colors when we launched it. It was in black, of course. And then we did the gray camo and we did two sizes, the pouches, a couple belts. And then the other style that I designed with Alessandra was a belt bag. And really it wasn't like 
a normal belt bag because it was really thought out for the equestrian because she, like many others, would have their you know, cell phone in their pocket and ride and it would fall in the ring. And then I'm watching and getting hysterical that her new phone is going to get stepped on. And anyway, I designed this belt bag that had a um, pouch to put your cell phone in, you know, and that would snap on and off. So you could wear it on the belt we provide, or you could wear it on any of your equestrian belts and it just easily snaps on and off this way. You don't have to like slip the pouch through the belt as you're getting dressed when they mm-hmm. don't have any way to get it on and off, you know? Yeah. Um, so I was just trying to really make it user friendly and that she could be in a, um, a full canter wearing it and it wouldn't move. Um, so it's really compact. And we recently launched in September a larger version to um, house the iPhone Max, Pro Max. So anyway, but that was, it was all about real life experiences that started the collection. And what's currently working in business? You know, you've grown it to a a lot of products now. Um, You know, have you grown the size of your business as well? Or is it just you and your daughter working on everything? Or, um, you know, how has it developed? Yes. So right now, uh, you know, everything I make from the company goes back into the company. So it's, it's really still in the ground, uh, in the in the groundwork. So um, it's just my daughter and I, um, my husband helps me from time to time when he can, but I'm not in a position to, you know, have staff um, mm-hmm. to have that kind of overhead. Um, I do have interns whenever I can. In fact, uh, my daughter's friend is going to start working with us through, you know, senior year in high school. She's going to start helping us once a week and because the school provides an internship program, which is mm-hmm. so one day a week, they'll be with me. So things like that have, have helped because, yeah, the workload keeps getting larger and larger. But I, you know, can't afford to, you know, have a staff right now. I mean, hopefully one day I'll be able to get there. But again, we're only a year old and we've made significant strides and you know, we're, we're in about 20 stores now and I'm constantly making uh, new relationships with different markets, different people, and I'll continue to do. But again, it's, it's me doing those calls and getting in front of people. So it's as much as I could get done in the course of a day, a week, a month. Right. Yeah. It's so hard. And we've talked to people about this before of knowing like, What's your point where you either take the money and invest in more people in order to grow the business, or do you wait until the business has grown and then you hire the people? Like what comes first? It's chicken and the egg, really. And it's so hard to tell. And it's, you know, different for every company. But it's interesting talking to people who are in the very early stages of a business like yours and people who have, you know, grown a business from the ground up and and had to decide when to take the plunge and and make that next step of employees and everything cuz it is like you said uh, an investment into people but it's also like it's hard having employees and having the responsibility for other people yeah. in your company too and that's a whole other thing that I don't think a lot of people talk about you know they people talk a lot about the business and the finances but they don't mention like managing people and everything that goes along with it. And it's it's interesting to to see that you've had that experience in the corporate world, I'm sure, of having yes. teams and managing yeah. people. So you at least know that side of it. Yes. And it it is hard managing people. And, you know, you have a way of doing things yourself mm-hmm. and you have certain expectations and it's funny at times I tell my daughter, if you were working for me back in the day, 
I would have eaten you alive for that, you know, <laughs> something she did, did, you know, and she yeah. just looks at me and is like, what, you know, yeah. I'm like, no, you can't do that, you know, mm-hmm. um, so <laughs> she's definitely, she's getting a lot of experience, but I have to remember, like, she's my daughter, it's different, she's not my employee, right (laughs) she's my partner really but it's it's a whole different dynamic but you're right if I knew which came first the chicken or the egg I would I'd be happy like I'd be happy to know that answer yeah Mm -hmm. exactly I I feel like uh, people who start things as side hustles and then and they still keep their job, they have like a similar story where it's like, okay, at what point do I go out and make this my full time versus, you know, just keeping it as a side hustle. So I think that, you know, there's so much to consider the employee thing, definitely. And also as a daughter who has worked with my mother or for my mother, sometimes that can be a little tough as well. Yeah. (laughs) On both sides. Yeah. Is there any, any suggestion you have for me? Like what, what happened that may, that I don't want to do any, uh, uh, I really don't. Okay. It'd be a very long story. (laughs) Complicated. Yeah. So Lisa, one of the things that caught our eye, you know, looking at your website and your products was the sustainability side of things. And that's something that we're a topic that we're really um, interested in and and want to talk to more people about in how they, you know, make those considerations in the work that they do. Can you talk about why it's important to you um, to have that in, you know, the facets of your business? Yeah. So um, I think when I was home with my children, I that's when I probably noticed the most waste. Um, And just, I think, you know, whether being at a park or anywhere, really noticing whenever there was garbage or litter or an overflowing garbage can, um, those always were things that stuck in my mind. I also grew up in an Italian family and um, my dad, his mother came from Italy Um, an immigrant, and they worked really hard for everything they had. And um, I think the values and the way they lived always resonated with me because my father put himself through college and became a very successful man, CFO of a company, but, and, and started with nothing. But what I remember it, him always saying is not to waste and we could reuse that. And he would never throw the tiniest pencil out and he would take the string from the pastry box and save it and use it for something else. So all those things always sat with me, like reusing the jelly jars, which I do. And, you know, mm-hmm. when I make tomato sauce or pesto, I'm always with the, um, the jars, the mason jars. And so that was something that was just natural to me. And I would always tell the stories to my children about, you know, the way grandpa used to wake up at 4am and get the flour from the flour truck. And, you know, they had to go there to get it. You know, it wasn't like using all these containers and packaging and everything else. So I guess, you know, we're never going to get back to that, but is there some way we could all start thinking creatively of how to get somewhere that we're a little bit more cognizant of the waste we make and how to reuse it? So I I was always big into cooking for my family. We don't do takeout really. And um, so we don't have fast food waste, but um, I always look at even leftovers like I I always repurpose every food like everyone knows in my house that you don't waste food um so but these were all things that I was brought up with so when I was developing this line um I really wanted to do something that would make the brand sustainable and and I just started asking 
some contacts that I had in my past life about, you know, what are the sustainable options for this fabric or this fabric is, is there and how do they do it and where does it come? So I just kind of gotten, got educated and I felt like, you know, this is important and this is also makes me different because there aren't a lot of people that are doing it. I think more now, which is great. Um, So I guess leading by example, but I thought that that was just something really important. And even, you know, plastic water bottles. Yeah. My, my bags, basically one backpack is uh, made from 10 recycled water bottles. Approximately. I wasn't even buying water bottles. Like my kids know they have to use their Yeti bottles and things like that. (laughs) Like I never was a water bottle buyer. Um, You know, Occasionally, I do when I have to, but um, it's really not something I do regularly. I tr- I really try to stay away from plastics in general. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, me producing this line and it's basically ninety percent sustainable. Our packaging is made from recycled water bottles. The um, only thing right now that I haven't been able to find that I continue to look for is the filler, the padding, and the inside of the bag. That's the only thing that's not made from a recycled material um, because it doesn't really exist right now. They're using things like um, I did source some things. There, uh, one was a um, sugar cane made of sugar cane. But at the end of the day, a sugar cane and the heat or in mm. bad weather breaks down. So yeah. that would not be good for the equestrian. Um, so sustainability is always at the forefront of the decision-making, but not at the expense of the design and the functionality. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'll continue to, you know, look for that. And our factory knows that that's something that's top of mind for me to, to get that filler in a, in a um, recycled form. Great. What is your vision for the future of sustainability in the equine industry? Well, I definitely have noticed that there's a lot of waste in the equine industry. And I think when I met the folks from Green is the New Blue, they really um, opened my eyes to even more that I didn't see just visually at a show. Um, because we all know how much work it is to care for your horse and all the different things you need to buy for them and all of those containers and the packaging and all of that, you know, it, it creates a lot of waste. Also the water bottles, but, you know, I was also educated on the manure removal and all of those things that I, I don't really know a lot about, but um, I think that when there's people that are talking about it, and there are young people that are interested in it. I think that that's just going to send it in the right direction. Um, mm-hmm. I think the young people are definitely the ones that can make it happen. Um, older people are usually a little more set in their ways, but if the young people are educated from the get-go, it's going to be like you know normal to them. Um, so I think that you know it definitely will get better. Um, and there's going to be a, a larger focus on that. Yeah, I agree. Great. Even my company is a very large company. We do equine pharmaceutical. Well, we do campaign. We do animal health, health items and I do the equine pharmaceutical side. And I do see a lot more people asking questions about products that we have that is this recyclable? How do we get rid of it? You know, and and when we're like, we don't really have a great solution for that quite yet, they're like, oh, I mean, you guys need to figure that out. And <laughs> and we've had some talks in the company. We have somebody who's doing the sustainability globally for this company. And, you know, those are definitely things that are on the table that we're looking to change. That's great. Yeah. I think, you know, something we've talked about is, um, you know, like you say, the, the younger people are making buying decisions based on not just the product, but about the 
you know, the mission statement and the ethos of a company and what they stand for and th- what actions they take um, in order to, you know, make the world a better place and, and support um, and they support with their dollars towards those companies that do that. So I think anybody, you know, looking to start a business, especially where, you know, you're selling products, um, it's important to keep that in mind and be able to say to your customers, you know, yes, we've thought about this. We're conscious of it. These are the efforts that we're going through in order to help improve it. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say also, like, it may take a little more time. Mm-hmm. It may cost a little bit more. But I think those are wise investments. Right. Yeah. On the back end. It's worth it. Absolutely. Well, it was so great to talk to you, Lisa, about your experience and your company. Um, At the end of each episode, we ask guests the same rapid fire questions. So Connor starts with the first. What is one action that women can take to make a big difference in their lives? Okay. I would say stop comparing yourself to others. I like that. Yeah. That's a huge <laughs> one. And I I'm, you know, victim of that, but you have to remind yourself. Yep. You're not that person. That's you are right. your own. That's right. That's really hard. Yeah. And what is the best habit that keeps you motivated personally? Exercise. Um, I make it to the gym every morning and I feel like I'm so much more productive when I do that. And it could be for the question for their ride. Like for me, that's my outlet. So, um, and when I, when I don't do that and put that time aside for myself, I definitely see, you know, a difference in my day. What's your favorite horse movie? So this one is Flicka. Do do you remember? Yes. Yes. So since I was not the rider, but my daughter was, I think I watched Flicka like a hundred times. <laughs> I was telling my daughter last night, I said to Alessandra, one of the, you know, I, I was thinking that about this, the, you know, the movie Flicka. And I, and she immediately said, um, we have to watch that together, mom, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, it's definitely on the to-do list. Probably when we're looking at colleges, we'll, we'll get we'll get that in. But yeah, that was always a good one. And finally, who would you recommend to be a future guest on this podcast? So a couple people pop it to mind. Reddit Goat Equestrian um, is one. I don't know if they've been on before. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Connie joined okay, us. So that's yeah, she was great. <laughs> you know, I'll just add because I found that in the town we live in New Jersey, Red and Goat is a couple towns over, not far. Actually, I used to live where where they're based, um, Holt Snack, which is horse country. Um, they're very, I found that the equestrian small business owners are just a very supportive group, which is mm-hmm. awesome. So that's why I, I would give a shout out to her. And I would also give a shout out to um, Tara Moore from Farm and Fur Company. Okay. okay. And she is an equestrian and photographer and barn manager. And she wears a lot of hats like Everybody does, but she is a very um, hardworking, talented young lady, and I I think she would be, you know, worth a conversation. Awesome, great. Well, thanks so much again for speaking with us. It was really interesting to hear um, about what you've done in both worlds, and um, we look forward to meeting you again at the next. Women in Business Spectacular in Saratoga (laughs) and um, and seeing you down the road. Awesome. Thanks so much again. This was great. I was really impressed when we met Lisa in Saratoga. Um, She's such an outgoing and engaging personality, and I really liked her from the moment 
we met her and we both said to each other afterwards, we were like, oh, we have to have her on the podcast at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, and just that she had all this corporate experience and then, you know, went out on her own and was an entrepreneur and has this small business. And I was like, yeah, this is definitely somebody that would be of interest, I think, to our listeners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, she brings up a lot of, um, really interesting points about, you know, what it's like to work in the corporate environment where, you know, you're really beholden to other people and how different it is when it's just you making every decision in the company. So I think that's a really stark difference that a lot of people need to realize if they're leaving, you know, a company with so much structure and going into something where, um, you know, everything relies on you and your decision making. Yeah. And I would hope that people realize that it's nice to have that structure and that maybe they can carry out some of that structure into their small business. Because I think that that probably helps keep you on track and know what you're doing because it does become so overwhelming when you have a small business and you have to do everything. For sure. Yeah. It's a big change. Um, but it's always cool to see people who go through it and are successful and you know are willing to share what they learned from it. So I really appreciate it from all the people that we speak with. Yes. And I liked how you brought up the point to her that the fashion industry is a bit like the equine world where you're so passionate about it. And I think you're right. And I never really thought about that before, but absolutely like, you know, you they put in their time. And all I could think of is that movie, The Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it it wasn't, you know, that unfamiliar when you're seeing her do all of that crazy stuff. And you think about all the crazy stuff we do for horses and, you know, the passion behind it is what drives it. And I think, and people want to be successful in their passion. So they're willing to give up so much of their lives sometimes for that. Yeah. Well, that was a really great chat, but we're out of time for today and I look forward to the next one. Yeah, for sure. Can't wait. Find the links to today's guests and the show notes at www.eqbusinesswomen.com. Equestrian B2B is out twice a month on the 1st and the 15th. You can find out more at eqbusinesswomen.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Find Equestrian B2B wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave a review. You can have all 20 plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with their free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Now go work on your people skills.